Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody to Barry and I's exciting extravaganza about how to sell eloquently elegantly and who better than Barry Olton to teach it the man who can sell so so well he can sell so so well it's incredible it's, I've been on Barry's course I was absolutely stunned by it uh, there is going to be so much knowledge dished out tonight and I'm super 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 buzzed how are you Barry? I am really good mate I've had a week off uh, <sighs> we've been packing boxes because we're going to move house but um, yeah it's been lovely I can't wait I can't wait to get back into clinic tomorrow to be honest really? so yeah I'm the beef is in the oven for a roast after I've had a lovely chat with you. And then, uh, yeah, all good, mate. All good. <laughs> lovely, jovely. Life's good. Sounds like a good Sunday, bro. Sounds like a really good Sunday. Awesome. Right. Okay. So we are just going to let the room fill up. For anybody who doesn't know, this is Barry and I's, like I say, selling how to sell elegantly extravaganza because selling is something that everybody gets the wrong end of the stick about. Selling is something the connotation is. Oh, how did you do that? That was amazing. There was... Is that a green screen? That was incredible. <laughs> you know what? You know what? From where I'm sat, that looked like the most bizarre thing ever. It looked like you pulled a brick wall down behind you. Was, uh, <laughs> I did, mate. I did. Yeah. And you just did it so casually as well there. I had to do a double take. I was like, what's going on? Anyway, so yeah, Barry is here to talk to us about selling, selling elegantly, selling eloquently, selling ethically selling but serving because that's the thing everybody has their own connotation about selling everybody thinks that it's something that it might be slimy it might be ott it might be something that puts the people off us but it doesn't have to be that way when you go into selling barry will elaborate more in just a minute barry's got a whole host of things he's going to show us tonight some crazy things about psychology and selling which will be coming up as i say but like i say most people get the wrong end of the stick there's definitely something out there where people have the wrong connotation of what it can be. And like I say, if you go into it with a mindset that you just want to help that person, that's the best mindset that you can possibly have. And then it means that it's coming from a place of honesty, trust, and love. But anyway, I'm not going to steal Barry's thunder. Barry is going to elaborate so much more in just a minute. Barry, I'm going to take the rein. I'm going to pass him across the screen to you virtually. Off you go, my friend. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. The, the, this this is this is not a lecture by me, right? This is a an interactive. Uh, yes. I might have framed it incorrectly there. It's a conversation. No, but what, what we're going to do is I'm going to share some bits, and then what would be great is to talk to you to get your thoughts on what I'm saying, but also to get feedback in the group, uh, any questions that they want to pose. Um, I'll give a brief history of you know why I'm uh, why I'm lucky enough to be here with you, sir. Um, and that is because that's what I do. Um, I, I'm a dentist for 20, 29 hours a week. Uh, I've owned my practice. I owned my practice for 20 years and I sold it three years ago into a corporate so I could do more of this. Uh, I could spend more time uh, teaching other people 
the the things that I learned that I implemented into my business that made a huge difference to not only uh, me, but my relationships with my loved ones and also in the business relationships with patients. And ultimately then the bottom line, you know, we took, uh, I was working really hard. I was doing really well. It's like 15 years ago, we had a turnover of about a quarter of a million. And then I um, had an unfortunate incident in my life, which led me to do some personal development. And off the back of that, I then trained to be a master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming. I uh, did some psychology training. I did some human needs psychology. And then I met my now wife, Chloe, and we took our communication skills into our patient journey. And that had the impact that it quadrupled our income, uh, our turnover in, in three years. So we took it to just over a million pounds. And that's not doing any fancy dentistry. That's just doing good, routine, good, solid, quality, family-based dentistry. Uh, I wasn't doing implants. I have an implantologist, and we weren't doing any ortho. And so we quickly learned that what we were doing is easily taught. So I started the training courses. And, um, yeah, they're going phenomenally well. And I was uh, delighted that you joined us for one of them recently to really get a taste of it yourself. So you could see what it is that I'm saying. You could really get a feel for what I'm sharing. And you could also hear what other people are saying about it so that you could then go, actually, this stuff really works. And it's not just in dentistry, right? You, what you learned for the two days with me is communication in life with anybody communicating with. Absolutely. And so, well, that's the stuck me about it as well. You know, like this stuff, the stuff that you teach, it's it's more like improving your intuition, I suppose. Which, and then as a secondary effect to that, means that you're a better communicator. And then someone who's good at communicating is going to be good at selling and serving, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And what it what came about is that. Um, I mean, I, I, if you remember on the course, what I say is that I'm not going to share with you anything that you don't already subconsciously know. Yeah. Because, because we're talking about how humans communicate, it's making your good self and my other delegates consciously aware of how it works well and why it's not working well so that you can utilize those skills consciously. Because most of us are doing the best that we can without understanding why it is we're doing well and why it is we're not doing well when we don't do so well. So... It is about um, enlightening you to being consciously aware of what you actually know deep inside. Because at the end of the day, I'm just sharing how we process information. And when you realize that, you're like, oh, my God, that's why I'm really good in this situation. And that's why that didn't work very well. So, yeah, it just makes you get better. Right. Um, but you said to me that the, you wanted to touch upon today on the psychology, really, of selling and um, the psychology of sales. Um, and so. I could have hit this in a number of different ways. There's things that I haven't had the opportunity to share with you yet, um, which I would love to. A lot, lots of them are based in the um, how we are influenced, how humans are influenced. And there are six principles of psychological influence, which I'll share with you later on. Um, but I wanted to talk about um, something that I haven't shared with you yet or any other delegates on the two-day course. And that is the thought process behind time and the basis of selling, right? When we think about the psychology of selling and somebody's reason for purchasing, um, it's understanding that time is quite important. So I'm going to touch upon that. But I think the most important thing to start with is 
your own thought process, your own psychology based on it. If you believe that you can do, do something, then you can. And if you believe you can't, then you can't. It was Henry Ford that said it, right? Whether you can or you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And so one of the first things that we shared and we started with was mindset. And you touched upon it just in your intro when you're talking about the mindset of sales. Um, when I When COVID hit and our practice was closed for four months, I really could have seen that as a dismal time. I could have seen it as the worst thing that ever happened. There was no income. I'm now an associate, so I was, there was zero income. Well, what I did is I took the opportunity to see it as an op- opportunity to grow what I was doing in terms of my training, and I developed my online training called The Lynchpin, which enabled us to generate an income, but also to share this information, not just face-to-face in the two-day lives, but now it's available online. So it is very much about whatever you focus on grows. If you believe that the world is a dangerous place, that's what you experience. If you believe that the world is full of beauty and love, that's what you experience. And so what you believe in your mind is ultimately what you experience. So you have to believe that... People want what it is you have to offer. You have to believe that you are good at sales, which is basically explaining things and offering things and taking people on a journey. Because when you believe that, that's exactly what happens, right? And for years, for years, it, it is. There's an element of mind over matter. There's an element of understanding that mindset is a choice and we can begin to change our limiting beliefs around wealth and everything else. I used to believe when I was, you know, 15, pre 15 years ago, I worked under three commonly held misconceptions. The first misconception that I had that my patients understood and judged the core part of my business, in other words, the dentistry, in a similar way that I did. The second misconception that I had was that my patient's opinion of my expertise was solely based on the quality of the dentistry. And thirdly, that the non-core areas of my business, like the general tidiness, the decor, the patient journey, were of far less importance to my patients than the dentistry was. Now, there was a famous saying by Maya Angelou, and that is people will forget what you said, people forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And this is really key in understanding the psychology of selling. It's not the product or the service. You know, what they're after is the journey. And what they're really after is to be understood about what their desires are. Now, it's very easy for us dentists to have a patient come home with a fractured tooth. And we think they want a tooth that's fixed. They don't. Nobody wants white teeth. Nobody wants straight teeth. What they want is what they think that white teeth or straight teeth might actually gain them emotionally or what having it might avoid them emotionally. And so it's it's key that we have the right mindset ourselves about what we're doing. When we find out a patient's motivational driver and we serve that, then we end up with it just ends up being such a lovely process of delivering high quality dentistry and when we when we find out somebody's driver it ends up that we start delivering more wants-based dentistry rather than needs-based dentistry now if you've got a practice that has been solely set up to do cosmetic dentistry and your marketing is driving that through then you're going to be doing a lot of the dentistry that you want to do i still would be 
coaching you to find out what the emotional driver is because you end up doing more of what they want and less of what they think they need. So the first thing is your own mindset is understanding what selling is because as you touched upon it, right, for years and myself included, we have in our profession of thought that selling is a dirty word. It's like the secondhand car salesman, the guy out of uh, Matilda. And yet when they did research, particularly in the States, and they looked at are our, our dentists seen as pushy and salesy, actually we ranked really highly in the fact that the public believe us, trust us, and want to be served by us. So we have an opinion about ourselves that most patients don't. And when I learned that the word to sell comes from the Norwegian word selje, and that selje means to serve, that began to change all my thoughts about what selling was. Because I thought selling was a dirty word. I never wanted to be in sales. Now I recognize I'm in sales all the time. I'm in sales now doing my best to share with you and sell you my ideas and my thoughts. We're doing it all the time, right? That, that's the bottom line. Can I just say, just can I just jump in for two seconds? What you said resonates with me so much. And I was so, I was the total opposite of the person that I ever thought would be holding a webinar like this, but they're seeing the light, isn't there, on sales? Yeah. And maybe you, you've definitely been in light. You've, you helped enlighten me on that one, really, to be honest with you, Barry, when I met you. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that's the mindset flip that we all should have. We we should have about sales. Sales. If it comes from a place of love and trust and honesty, then it is to, as you say, to serve. It is. Now I think dentistry um, is an odd one. Let's talk about time. I mentioned to you that I wanted to share with you an element of psychology about time. Right. A lot of sales is time based. And there, there are three areas for this, right? The first is that you're too early for the purchase. You're too early. What that means is the patients just aren't aware. You're either on time or you're too late. Let's look at each of those. Let me give you an example. Let's imagine that your house is on fire. Your house is on fire. You need a fire extinguisher. You will pay a handsome amount of money for a fire extinguisher right now to put the fire out. True or false? Yes, true. <laughs> now, that is the experience of British dentistry. Particularly, forgive me for those that might not like this statement, but particularly NHS dentistry. We are dental firefighters. A patient comes in with a problem and we're like, snap, we can get on with it. We know what to do. And really, in dentistry, that sales process seemingly is very easy. It's just a question of which fire extinguisher are you going to purchase? And many sales training and courses, what they're based upon is on that one indication that they're trying to get them to buy the best fire extinguisher, which is great. It's the right thing to do. But for me, there's a whole greater world out there that we're not tapping into and understanding. And that's the area of too early. When it's too early, the notion of the problem is not in the awareness of the patient right? They don't see it. They don't feel it. They're not talking about it. They're not, they don't realize they've got a problem. And this is the area where we can serve patients in a much deeper way beyond the immediacy of the problem. So many dentists say, oh, hi, Mr. Smith. How are you? Any problems? Mr. Smith says, no. They have a quick flick around, have a look, three to three scale and go, off you go, see you in six months. Now that is serving, you know, don't get me wrong, but that's serving in a way that is 
is missing out on so much a income for the business while serving deeply the patients that you're looking after the third bit i spoke about was too late that's when you haven't responded to something you haven't responded to somebody's request you've made me not emailed back or you've spoken to a patient you haven't followed up and you end up being late and they go somewhere else and that's basically oops i missed it i'm too late and so partly what i'm going to focus on with you is the too early area Because there is one question that I shared with you on the two-day training that fundamentally gives you all the information you need to serve the patient at a much deeper level. You can go on a little bit further, and there's three further questions, but there's one major question which I'll share with you. Be that made, what I want to talk to you about, an element is the psychology of the practitioner who is delivering the dentistry. So the best way I can do this is say that, James, you and I, we're going to go on a journey, mate. Now, we did this in the two days, right? You know that I'm born and bred in Thornton Huff, which is on the Wirral. And let's assume that you and I are going to go together over to Liverpool. There are a number of ways that we can travel that. It's about 14 miles, right? The first way is we could walk. It would take a long time. And with weather like today, we're going to get wet. We're going to get cold. We're going to get miserable. But we'll get there eventually, right? The second is we could cycle. We could grab a couple of bikes, go off together. Again, maybe a little bit dangerous, wet, cold. We'll get there a little bit faster. We could get the local bus. Now, when I was a kid, the bus service was pretty good. Uh, Nowadays, where I'm from in the world, the bus service is horrendous. It's really poor. So the next option is we could drive ourselves. We could be driven by somebody else in a really nice car. Or if you had the means... You could take a private helicopter. You'd be in Liverpool in under four minutes, start to finish. Now, when we talk about dentistry, and I ask this on every course that I deliver, when I show these pictures, I say, if this was dentistry, where does the NHS fit? Where does the NHS delivery of dentistry fit in this scenario? Which one of those is NHS? And overwhelmingly, There are people that really want to say the bus, but overwhelmingly, most people say it's either walking or it's taking the bike. Because when I was a kid, the NHS really was the bus. It was safe. It was warm. It got you there. It wasn't fancy, but it did a good job. And I believe now that the NHS is nowhere near the quality of the bus. It doesn't take away the quality of the driver, right? You know, the dentist is doing their absolute best. Yet the system of the NHS is very restrictive. Now let's ask you the question of what do you think private dentistry is? Of those six, what would you pick as private dentistry? What would you say off the cuff? Me? Um, Well, it's kind of like a scale, isn't it? But I definitely would say it's drive to helicopter. Yeah. Sorry to be, was that, was that, does that make it difficult for you? Do you want me to be precise? Okay. There we go. No, no, no. The, the The beauty is my friend that, You've done the course with me and you've seen this. And overwhelmingly, I have seen this, but I can't remember what I said. So that was I, that's right. You said, the same, you said the same thing, right? The majority yeah. of people say that it's either the chauffeur driven or it's the private helicopter. Right. Okay. And for me, in terms of private dentistry as a private dentist, and in terms of my sales journey, my patient journey, it's all six. For me, my job is to make sure that my patients are aware that they can do any one of these six that they choose 
My job is to help them find what are their desires, what are their needs, what are their requirements, and what mode of transportation fits them best based on all of those factors. Now, invariably, when I take patients on that journey, and it doesn't take long to do it, they end up choosing the better options. And it's going to be, for them, it's usually the chauffeur or the private helicopter. That being said, I'm going to make sure I'm presenting all six. Now, our, our patients out there in the big wide world, they have the same perception of, uh, as us. The majority of them think that the NHS is walking or cycling and that private dentistry is a private helicopter. They don't realize that actually we have a whole bank of things that we can offer them. And what we want to do is find out what their true needs are, what they want, what they, what, what they, why they want that, so that we can give them the best options and the best choices, which is why it's a great definition of serving, not selling. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, for, for me personally, my belief is there are four steps involved with getting really good at serving. Okay. And it's understanding these elements and learning these elements that will make people an eloquent conversationalist in dentistry where patients end up accepting much more treatment hence quadrupling our turnover without oh by the way so that was me working three and a half days a week just me and a hygienist turnover of just under 1.1 mil it's not working harder it's working smarter and it's not providing things the patients don't want or need it's providing it's finding out actually what it is they really do want and need and they end up wanting and needing a lot more than just the fire extinguisher so the four steps are, number one, you've got to learn how to communicate because none of us have been taught ever. In, in Leeds right now, where I qualified in five years, they have three hours of communication training and it's not what I would want them to have. The next thing to understand is how you generate your thoughts and your feelings, but also to understand how your patient generates that because then we can influence that. When you understand the model of communication and the way that our brain works, it enables you to begin to influence that with integrity and ethically to help patients make better choices. The third and probably the most important thing is the ability to instantly create rapport. Because as you know, people like people who they are like. People trust people that they like and people will purchase and take advice off people that they trust. So this is key. And it's so easy to do. It takes it literally in a heartbeat you can build rapport with somebody. And then the final thing for me, the, the thing that's been my passion for the last few years and developing is the art and the magic of language, that words can weave magic and we can utilize words to uh, influence patients to make their best choices. We can influence patients to be deleting the worst choices from the conscious awareness and be really thinking about the best ones. And so long as you link that to the emotional need, then selling, serving is so easy and it's a joy. Do you remember the question? I said there was one magic question that I shared with you. Can you remember what it was? I'll put you on the spot, mate. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you know, I'm disappointed in myself, Barry, because I'm, I'm really sorry. I can't. Sorry, mate. There was lots of things that stuck out to me about the course. And I'm itching for you to show them to everybody because they're so <laughs> interesting and cool. That is one thing that's stuck in my mind. I'm really sorry. So to be fair, this, it's like, uh, what do we do? We do eight, 16 hours together. And I yeah. joke saying, look, it's 16 hours together that will end up 
helping you create the perfect 10 minute conversation or the foundational yeah. stuff. But let me share the question because then you'll go, oh my God, yes, right. The question that I came up with and framed, and it's non-sensory based, right? So you're, you're not going to ask anything about senses, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. My question is, and let me ask you, will you role play with me now, right? Let me ask you. Okay, let's do it. You're a young man. You, you, uh, you're in the profession. Uh, let me ask you a question. If, um, what's important to you about your dental health? your dental appearance and your dental function in let's say let's say 20 years in 20 years tell me what's important to you about your dental health appearance and function james i would love my teeth to stay the way they are i'm not showing any signs of wear or detriment and i'd also like them to be a little just a little bit wider because it's been a while since i've whitened them okay so you'd like them to be as they are not show anywhere yeah. And you like them to be just a little bit whiter. That's right. What else? Just as they are in terms of function, in terms of appearance, in terms of comfort is, is so, so, so important. What else is important to me? <clears throat> you know what? I'm, I'm not someone who's, uh, I'm not one of these only ways at Essex aficionados or anything like that. I just like, I like to have a natural smile. And um, yeah, like I say, a little bit wider. Those would be those would be the important things to me. Perfect. So, just with that one question, you've given me a wealth of information that I can then serve. So, awesome. uh, listen, we're, we're going to go slightly off script here, right? So, that one question, what you've told me is that, that your belief is right now that you're fit and you're healthy. You believe your your gums, your perio condition's healthy. Um. You mentioned where, and what you said to me is that in 20 years' time, you want them to be as healthy as they are, as comfortable as they are, and you don't want to show any signs of wear, and you like them to be a little bit whiter. So what you told me was that you're a highly towards person. You, you know what you want to achieve. You know where you want to be. So ignore the whitening for a second. What you've just created for me is um, I would now explain to you in the examination but I'm going to be looking for a number of things. First and foremost, I'm going to be feeling your muscles. I'm going to be looking for any signs of extra muscle activity that indicate grinding and clenching. Because you mentioned you don't want your teeth to be worn, and so I'm going to be checking out whether you're a grinder and a clencher. I'm then going to give an oral cancer screening because we do for everybody because it's on the rise. I want to make sure that you're fit and healthy and that we're finding anything early. Then I'm going to screen the health of your gums. I would explain to you what a BPA is and very briefly be listening out for scores of naught to four because in 20 years if we're going to keep our teeth and have them as they are we need to make sure that our gums are super healthy for the next 20 years does that make sense so i'm already i'm already pre-framing you on a you're going to listen out for naught to four i would have explained that naught is perfection threes and fours we need to do further investigation you might need more treatment i'm going to talk to you about parafunctional activity and so on and so forth. So you've written a treatment plan for you is maintenance program, basically. If you're fit and healthy, you're going to go into our maintenance program and I'm going to offer you to join our plan where you don't have to worry about paying as you go. You basically pay monthly. And when you come, because it's preventative care, you don't pay anything. So that, that gets you signed up to the plan. Now, you mentioned whitening. You want them a little I bit white. Yes. Be Can I ask you, for what purpose?
Real quick guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The 7 Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes that dentists make whenever it comes to their finances. Most of the time dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened and that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistuinvest.com forward slash podcast report or alternatively you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. <laughs> uh, pure vanity, vanity, Barry. I must be honest. Vanity in what way? What does the white smile say about you, mate? I think that it says that you're someone who looks after yourself. I think that it says you are someone who is, yeah, well, you, you know, you, yeah, you look after yourself. You're, it just gives you like, <clears throat> how can I put this into words? It's the aesthetic. It's what comes with and what people associate having good teeth with, which is someone who's clean cut, I suppose, you know, like those things. I'm not, you know what? I'm not doing you any favors by it because I'm doing a terrible job of describing it. And you know what? You put me on the spot there. Because I don't no. actually know why. I actually can struggle putting it into words. There you go. But that's the beauty of this whole conversation. Right? The first yeah. question is, we're, we're virtual. We're not with each other, right? But are you yeah. feeling reasonably comfortable with me asking you these questions? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, right. And, and patients are as well. So I want to find out what's important to whitening to a patient, because sometimes it comes out that it's not the whiteness. It might be some patching. Sometimes it comes out that it's not just the whiteness. It's the shape. And actually, yeah. what, what ultimately what I think you've described to me when you say the persona and it's it's the, um, it, it's the uh, you kind of attractiveness, but also inside it's an element of confidence. Right is that yeah. what you said is people's perception of what a healthy smile does. It's the second yeah. thing we look at. We look at eyes and we look at teeth, don't we? Yeah, 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 100%. So, so I now know, even though you may well be fit and healthy, I know that I'm going to talk to you about an SCI from the best lab in the world, S4S, because that's going to protect you from your parafunctional activity if I find that you've got some. The fact that you mentioned where means that you probably know your parafunction. And then the second thing I'm going to talk to you about is the confidence you get when we whiten your teeth and how we're going to help you maintain that. Simple as, right? So that one question gave me a whole bank of information. It also gave me the information of how to motivate you. Now, think about this for wow. a second. Right? Can I just jump in there? That is so discerning, by the way. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what? I couldn't have unpacked my own sentence that much. That's insane. That's awesome. <laughs> If you are a hygiene therapist, how effing hard is it to get somebody to floss every day? It's a freaking nightmare. Why? Because it's in the time now. It's in the just in time, right? And they don't have a perceived problem. Now, when I said to you about unpacking the too early is I now have all the information I need to motivate you to do everything I need you to do to ensure that you've got your teeth in 20 years as well as they are, as good as they are, as healthy as they are, as comfortable as they are. I can now motivate you into flossing every day, to using an electric toothbrush, and to following my advice and seeing my hygiene therapist. Because I'm going to remind you of what you said to me in 20 years, James. You want this, this, this. That's why I want you to floss every day, and I want you to wear your SCI. 
do you know what do you know what as well as that i feel we definitely it's so simple but we definitely don't do it enough as dentists okay because you know what that the second you do that to a patient they feel so listened to like i actually feel i actually feel like we've got like there's like rapport being established right now. I feel like empathy, like a warmness towards you just because you said that. And it's not even any sort of clinical scenario. Your brain is a funny thing, psychology. But you know what it is? It's genuine interest. It's not about the dentistry. It's me finding out about James and what's important to James. Because then my advice, my care, my love and my service to you is based on you and what you want in 20 years. Now, if we just focus on today, let's assume somebody comes in, new patient, right? And they've not been for 15 years. They've got a couple of broken teeth. They're bound to have a bit of perio because they're not in the profession. We ask that question. I ask that question. That enables me to comprehensively treatment plan that patient. Now, whether they choose it or not is irrelevant. But their experience to date for the previous 28 years of their life is that they go in, got a problem, no, on you go. Or they've had dentistry that was uncomfortable or they weren't listened to or they didn't feel valued. And just by asking that question, I begin to serve them because they go, well, actually, they start giving me a whole, they give me a frigging treatment plan, mate. Now, my job then is to show them the six ways that we can get from Thornton Huff to Liverpool and find out what suits them best. And I also say to my patients, look, you know, we're going to go on a journey together and you might choose to do that journey in the next two months. Or we might break the journey down into steps and we'll do a bit. We'll find out that you're happy. We might even get to a destination. You get to Birkenhead and you might go, I really like it here. I don't want to do the straightening and the winding or whatever. And I'm like, that's fine by me because my job is to help you be James dentally in 20 years time. That makes sense. Love it. Love it, man. Yeah, it does. So simple. So it's finding out by asking that question, we're beginning to involve them in the too early scenario, as in they're not aware of problems. They're not aware of anything that's going on. They're not aware of parafunction and they, they have no idea. I had a guy that rocked up saying, oh, I'm, I've, uh, I've actually provisionally booked to go to Turkey because I want, you know, he's from Essex. He was from Essex. He's booked to go to Turkey to have 20 units done. And he went, it's like six grand. And I went, that's amazing. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> I appreciate that what you want right now is white straight teeth. I'm going to ask you why, but let me ask you, where do you want to be in 20 years? And he went, well, yeah, I still want my teeth. Oh, well then you go to Turkey, mate. There's absolutely no chance that you're going to have all your teeth. And you and I know that, you know, if the way that they're heavily prepped in most of the places that are doing this sort of stuff, he's going to end up with multiple endos. He's going to end up with a string of problems for the next 20 years, likely. Now, somebody might come back to me and go, how dare you? We own a clinic in Turkey that's amazing. But to be heavily prepped like that, so I actually had the conversation and I said, look, it's going to take a little bit longer, but short-term orthodontics and some whitening and some composite bonding, you're going to get a look that looks amazing. And by the way, in 20 years, you'll still have your own teeth. So it, it also helps people to understand that when they're focused on the immediacy of what it is they want, it broadens their horizons to think, okay, I'm only 28 and I want a bright smile, but where do I want to be at 48? Where do you want to be at 68? So I love it. I love that question. That's a brilliant question. Absolutely. Everyone will be taking notes and writing that down. That's tremendous. That's something you can go in tomorrow. You can use that. See the difference it makes your patients and your rapport building. It, honestly. And as um, uh, Katz just said, actually, 
people who like you are unlikely to complain. That's a, that's a massive point, right? I don't get complaints. I get the odd patient that is upset or pissed off, you know, crown's broken or something's happened. When you build rapport and you find the, the common ground and you're able to see the other person's point of view, you end up finding a solution that is a win-win. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to do with our dentistry. It's got to be a win-win. It's got to be good for them, good for us, good for the environment. And so me talking this young lad out of going to Turkey is good for everybody. Even if, and I said to him, you miles away, even if you don't have the work done with me, I'll recommend somebody in Essex that can look after you. But please reconsider that I want it right now. And let's take six months to get it. And it means that you've got them then for the next 20, 30, 40 years. So, yeah. Thanks, Kat, by the way, for that. And it is about confidence. Right, sir. So that was that was the bit that I wanted to talk to you about time because I've not presented it in that way before where we talk about the fact that very often dentists are not – they're focusing on the right now. They're focusing on the fire extinguisher and which fire extinguisher can I sell them. And in actual fact, when you take a little bit of time and you ask the right questions, patients end up having much more comprehensive care. So as well as the – if I took the time, right, they've got a fractured lower left six, 40% of the tooth is missing – if I was just the firefighter, I'd, I'd offer them a filling or a crown. And if they chose the best, I think I was successful in help, helping them to have the very best dentistry. But what about the DO in the five and the MO in the seven that were packed in with secrevaland or Toffelmeyer matrix band that gave a contact point that was at the marginal ridge, not a third of the way down? I then make a crown to fit the old crappy amalgams. Am I really serving them? To really serve them, it's the conversation and explaining to give them the option of doing the five and the seven at the same time so I can get idealized contact points so we can get rid of all the mercury fillings. We can do it all in one go. It's just two visits, much easier. We know that they're going to need to be done in the next few years anyway. So why don't we do the best job now and spread the payment out rather than spreading the payment out by spreading the treatment out? So taking a little bit of extra time and finding out somebody's motivation is hugely beneficial to everybody. I hear you. I hear you. 100%. Because then the patient feels listened to. You can prioritize the things that they want. Because this is the thing. When people, people buy, they rarely buy on logic. They buy on emotion. Then they back it up with logic later. 100%. 100%. 100%. Love so it's it's love helping that. them. I love that one. Thanks. Appreciate yeah, that. no, it's brilliant. That's brilliant, and um, yeah, awesome. You know what I'm? That that was brilliant, and you know what? That is actionable stuff that anybody can use tomorrow. So no doubt, everybody will sit be sitting at home. Their ears will hopefully be perked up. Will definitely be perked up. What am I talking about? Because they can go and implement <laughs> that tomorrow. Instant rapport. Instant rapport. Rapport is amazing. And just like you said, it's almost it's we in our heads. We all think it's the dentistry that takes precedent. Okay. For the patient, it's actually not. For the patient, it's feeling like they have rapport and someone's listened to them and communicated and everything else flows from there. That's the most important thing. Yeah, it, it is about the journey, isn't it? Um, and that journey starts with your team. It's very rare that the dentist is the first point of contact. So I encourage any of my clients that I'm coaching is, you know, look at your website, look at the way that you are portraying yourselves, uh, listen to how the phone is answered. Uh, we have separated telephony in front of house because I want my patients, I want my front of house, Claire, to be totally focused on the physical body that's in front of them, not on somebody that's on a phone or online. 
So we have telephonist upstairs answering the phone so that Claire can really focus on the people that are coming and leaving. And they feel, they feel genuinely like it's, it is a family and that we're looking after them. And that's, that's some of our best feedback is that they enjoy coming to see us because we're bloody nice people and we, <laughs> we're looking after them, not their teeth. And what a brilliant way to circumvent any potential GD, GDPR liabilities that might come about by that as well. Simple thing, simple thing. And most practices, I don't believe, have that set up, but could really benefit from it. Yeah, super easy. Super yeah. easy. Now, you wanted to talk about eyes, didn't you? I almost had to stop myself from saying just then to talk about the eyes because I, I realized that would have came out and it would have been a bit blunt. But yeah, I'm excited because this this is my favorite thing. I love this. I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm, I'm I'm excited to learn about it again because you know what I learned. I listened to you when you talked about it on your, on your course on that course day, and I took. I'm sure I took loads of it in because I remember because it sticks out in my head. But I'm sure there's going to be about four or five other gems that are going to bulk it out and reinforce it that you're going to explain just now so looking forward to it this is cool by the way everyone. then let's let's give a little bit of background so that so that um i can refresh your mind and also yeah. other people can understand why we do this and that is we all have five senses right we have our sight our hearing taste smell touch uh, and we have our feelings right and we process our information through our five senses when it comes to um, understanding what's going on around us, we tend to have a preference. And we break those down into visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and then this blended version called auditory digital, where most people lean towards one or two of those in the way that they process information and they see, hear, feel, and sense the world going on around them. Now, it's super important that we communicate as closely in somebody else's model of the world as possible not ours and the example i shared with you was when i was going through the awful divorce and i wanted to be the best dad i could possibly be and i wanted to do everything that i could and, and i'd say to my youngest daughter who was probably nine or ten at the time and i'd say millie i'm gonna take you out today it's gonna be a dad and daughter day i'm gonna take you to guildford Take you to Wagamama's, I'm going to buy you uh, lunch, and then I'll take you to Urban Outfitters and buy you a top. How do you feel about that? And my young Millie at the time went, um, don't know how I feel. Now, step into my body, and the moment she went, um, in my head, I went, you ungrateful little shit. I've just, I've said, I'm going to do this, do this, do that. How do you feel about it? And you're like, don't know how I feel. Well, oh my God, that was such a disservice to her. Fast forward to when I learned all of this, what I understood then is my Millie is perfect in every way in her model of the world. She's what we call highly visual. She processes visually. She's now an incredible artist. She just nailed her fine art degree. She just got a job uh, doing art. I mean, she's visually and artistically, she's amazing. So when I learned that and I learned that actually she has feelings, she doesn't need to connect with her feelings to understand the world around her. Whereas I do, you know, if you want to sell something to me, I'm a fiddler. You need to give it to me so I can touch it and feel it and see the quality of it, feel the quality of it. Millie can see the quality of something. So when I learned this and I changed that language skill and I went, Millie, uh, we're going to go to Guildford, Wagamama's Urban Outfitters. Do you like the look of that? Her response was, yeah, love it. 
So that one simple change of word not only dramatically changed the interaction, but it changed my perception of my daughter. I had misserved her for three years, four years, thinking that she was ungrateful and that she didn't tap into her feelings. And I didn't understand that she was perfect. I just was talking a different language. Does that make sense? It totally does. And how many people would lead to that conclusion? And it's, it's you know, it's not that they're wrong. Well, they, sorry, they, ha- they are, it's, it's a presumption we'd all make, a presumption lots of us would make when, if they yeah. heard that, they were confronted with that. But it's a communication issue. We all do. But uh, the, the biggest thing is, and this is why I love this stuff so much, is we don't know what we don't know. And I truly believe that everybody's doing their best. And when people start to become aware of this, you know, so unconsciously, subconsciously, I knew that, you know, she was thinking in a different way, but I didn't understand it. And as soon as I did, I was like, oh, my God, that gives me the power to now communicate more clearly with my daughter by using the words that she understands, not the words that I understand. It was almost like I was talking Japanese and then blaming her for not understanding me. So hold that thought, right, because we can find out what somebody's preferences are. Imagine, James, that Millie is a 46-year-old male with a missing lower left six. And I've just explained to him all the virtues of having a dental implant. And I'm like, it feels like a tooth. You're going to feel so good when you're biting on it. And you're going to feel so confident. Um, so I've explained all of that. How, you know, do, you like, do you like what I've said? Do you feel what I'm saying? And they go, uh, I would jump to the conclusion, oh, they don't want it okay, well, we'll just, we'll do a denture or we'll leave it. Where in actual fact, if I have understood that the highly visual and I go, do you like the look of that? Would you like to see some examples? Would you like to watch a video of somebody that's explaining how delighted they are? It makes a complete difference. And we're talking, we're not talking about the relationship with my daughter. We're talking about treatment plans that could be three, 10, 12, 14, 20,000 pounds that just with one word and our limiting beliefs, we can think they don't want it because they're trying to go, how do I feel about that? Well, I don't know how I feel about that, but I like the look of it. So how do we know how somebody's processing information? This is the bit you love, right? Yes. There are are two (laughs) ways that we we can do this. The first is we can pay attention to the words that people use. We call them predicates. We can pay attention to the words that they use, how they describe what they're doing, how to describe their world. Or we can do the easy way. And the easy way is we can tell how, not what, we can tell how somebody is thinking by where their eyes go. We can't tell what they're thinking, right? So we need to make that very clear. But I can tell how somebody is thinking when we watch their eyes, right? Now, these are called eye accessing cues. They were found accidentally. And they are the direction in which people habitually look when they're thinking or processing information. When somebody is processing pictures or movies, when somebody's listening to something or creating a sound, when somebody's attending to their feelings or they're having a conversation with themselves. And so let me reintroduce you, Dr. James, let me reintroduce you to Bob. So if you remember Bob, James, we'd have a a conversation with Bob and we'd enjoy that conversation. We'd be watching Bob's eyes. Now, major point at the beginning is if somebody's eyes are moving, what are they doing, James? 
they are giving you signals as to how they process language. But what are they doing at the moment? When their eyes are moving, what are they doing? They are thinking. Oh, thinking. Yes, they are thinking, yeah. In other words, if somebody's eyes are moving, what do we do? We're quiet. Right, got you. We let them think. Because after they've thought, their eyes will come back to us. Now, if you're like me and you speak very quickly and there's a pause, we tend to want to fill the blank in. So the first rule is if somebody's eyes are moving, they're thinking about, they're processing the information. They're trying to, you know, think about what it is and they, they might visualize something, they might feel something, they might connect with something, then they'll come back and speak to you. So if their eyes are moving, you've got to be stum. Okay, so now let, let's look at Bob. As you look at Bob and you're talking to him, if Bob's eyes go up to our right-hand side, Bob is recalling something that he's seen before. We call that visual recall. If Bob's eyes go across to his ear, he's recalling a sound that he's heard before. And if Bob's eyes go down to his left or right, he's having a little conversation with himself or he's listing something. Make sense? So crazy. Fascinating. Now, if Bob's eyes go up to his right, our left, he's constructing a picture that he's not seen before or a movie. If his eyes go across to his other ear, he's constructing a sound. Or if he goes down to our left, his right, he's connecting with his feelings. So you're in the perfect position for me to ask you a question. And I'd like you to answer the question, right? Yes, okay. James. The house that you grew up in, what was the colour of the front door? I know my eyes are going to move. And you know what? They just did it anyway. They just did it anyway. I want you to just focus on the question, right? And just, okay. Okay. Just, be, just be comfortable about having a conversation, right? Tell me the colour of the front door of your first house. That was red. That was red. That was red. Okay, lovely. Um, and can you tell me the colour of the door that you live in now? Uh, Brian. Brown. Can you imagine your first house with a pink door? I can, yes. <laughs> yes, you just did. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? Even though I know I'm going to do it, I still do it anyway. It's almost like it enables you to do it. No, 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 James. It's not that it almost does. It does. That's exactly what it's doing. Sorry, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah no, mate, you're, no, you're absolutely spot on. In order to recall it, we have to do our eyes like that. Now, we, they, taught, um, they taught dyslexic kids how to spell. There's a, there's a spelling process where they, they taught dyslexics to spell by visualization. They broke the words into um, syllables, and then they put it into their visual, and they get to look at it. And then when they go to recall it, they say, right, take your eyes up and just remember how it's spelled. And honestly, their spelling went through the roof. So it is, if you want to recall something that you can't, if you think, I can't picture what it is, get your eyes up. And once your eyes go up, you go, oh my God, you start to see it. It's, it's freaky, but it works, right? Let me ask you another question. Do you know your seven times table, James? Uh, yes, I do. I do. Okay. Did you just picture a seven times table? Did you just I look did. at a... did, yes, because <laughs> I used to have these little laminated uh times tables that i remember right. i had seven was on yeah obviously seven was on there okay so i want you to recall and in your head i want you to tell yourself the seven times table go you want me in my head to do it okay yeah you don't have to tell us in your head okay so you're looking at you're looking at that chart 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at that okay. chart. Yeah, in my head, I am. Yeah. Okay, so now imagine that chart is black and you can't see it. Keep going with the seven times table. In your head. <laughs> I love it. There you go. So uh, anybody watching, he's up to three. And... Um, <laughs> So oh, you know, I do know that part as well. That's really <laughs> good. That's good, man. so. So just to give you an idea, right? When you're thinking of something in pictures or movies, your eyes will go up. Now, this this picture I've got up of Bob, that's normally organised. Typically right-handed. Typically left-handed people are reverse organised. They're the other way around. And the American um, police jumped on the on this early doors in the in the late 70s and went ah oh, we can tell if somebody's lying because if they're recalling something or they're making something up and actually you can't and at the level that i teach this all i want people to recognize is if somebody is visualizing something listening to something or t attending to their feelings or listing something in their head because that way then we can step into their model of the world so when you when i ask you about your house and I go, do you like the look of that? I'm using the same language as you. I've got an idea that you're looking at something. Does that make sense? Clever. Yep, it does. And that enables us then to tap into that and, and really serve that patient in their model of the world. So let me go back to Millie, right? Millie, Guildford, Wagamama's, Urban Outfitters. How do you feel about that? Watch me. Millie went like this. She turned her head. She looked up. And I now know she's visualizing something and I could change my language in a heartbeat and go, can you see what I'm suggesting? And she might go, yeah, great. Do you like the look of that? Yeah. Brilliant. Come on, let's go. Brilliant. Now imagine that's a 20 grand treatment plan, mate. Magic. Yeah. No, it's honestly, it's fascinating. It really is. I love it. I love it. And so that's eye scan pattern. So you can have fun with this. And all I would say is just know if somebody's visualizing something, hearing something, or they're either touching them with their feelings, checking in with themselves, do I feel all right about that? Or they're listing things. Typically, when they're listing things, auditory digital, which is exactly what you did, my friend, as you did this. If you watch me, you went, because you went, two, seven to 14. And we, we go through lists. Highly auditory digital people are, are list junkies. They have lists of lists. They make great dentists because they love process. They like bullet points. You know, if anybody's watching now and they love a bullet point list and they love process, then you're probably highly auditory digital. And so for me to sell, to serve you, I'm going to list the features and the benefits particularly of, the, of whatever it is I'm talking to you about. Um, and it's not sensory based. It's just the fact that you have criteria that you need to be satisfied. You need to understand the list in order to go, yeah, that makes sense to me. Thanks very much. Let's get on. So the eye scan pattern is hugely beneficial. You couple that with the skill of language, the magic of language. You couple that with building rapport. You couple that with the ability to ask the right questions, to get people thinking about where they want to be in 20 years and coming up with a different pleating plan. Mate, this is like dynamite. It's unbelievably powerful. You really don't know what you don't know, you know? And that really is... You really don't know what you don't know, just what you were saying earlier. And you know what? That will that will never leave me. That will never leave me. And I've been seeing it ever since. It's just, it's one of those things. It's almost like an epiphany moment, isn't it? And you just see it for the rest of your life. Do you know what I like? I'm a bit conscious of time because we want to keep this to around an hour. 
And obviously okay. we've got some Q&As coming up. But you know what was awesome as well, Barry? Do you know what I love? Do you know the people, you know the power of mirroring body language? Yeah. And you've got the two guys, and they had one guy recall an event in his head, and they had the other guy mirror his body language. Yeah. That guy was able to tell exactly what he was thinking, down to the very detail, the absolute like detail of what was going on inside in his story. That was so nuts. The guy could recall, the guy could recount the other guy's story as if he could see into his head just because he was mirroring his body language. That was mental. Darn yeah. Brown by the other one. Do you, that was do, you remember, do you remember my story of the South African? That, that was um, exactly Was it the lady on the bus? Nope. It was the chap oh. in the hospital holding his newborn. Oh yeah, uh, do I do? Yeah, because you were you were. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you'd like to refresh my memory a little bit on that one. So that's the it. same. That's the same scenario, right? It's when you are deeply, deeply, deeply in rapport, and I, I don't. I've never been this deep with a patient, right? Because it takes it takes to get it to this level. But when you're so deeply in rapport, in terms of physiology you have the same thoughts as them and that is crazy and so i talked about my story the thing this that's the story that got me into this was that i'll recall it very quickly i don't know what time we're at how long have we got we oh we got we got there's no upper limit but it's just nice and tangible and accessible you need to keep it around an hour plus we've got some questions coming up so but then yeah, feel free if you want to tell it, it yeah it take too long. i'll do it another time i'll explain the story but the bottom line is you're absolutely spot on when you have matching and mirroring somebody's physiology to the absolute, you've nailed it, you not only feel the same, you think what they're thinking. Crazy, crazy, crazy. stuff. Honestly, how, how do our brains work? It just made me, you know, when I came away from what you were teaching, it just made me, I was always fascinated with brain, your brain and psychology. Now it's like accelerated by about times 10. I just marvel at it. It's just insane. You know, <laughs> the mirroring, mirroring the body language and you can literally tell what they're thinking. How, how the heck does that work? That's human human nature, mate. It's the way we take. That's the beauty of this stuff. And power posing as well. Do you know what was just? We'll just quickly. Yeah, that's it. You know what? Sitting up, confident, and you feel more confident. It's like a chicken and the egg thing. The confidence doesn't come, and then you sit up. You sit up first, and then you become confident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Power posing. Yeah. Just like yeah. that, that. You know that TED talk that you had in in the Amy course. You know what? I happened upon that about 10 years ago, okay? About 10 years ago. And I watched that, and I started using it straight away, and it's just instant confidence overnight. It's just crazy. It's amazing. Instant. It's amazing. It is. Instant so she proved that power posing, um, it changes our biochemistry. By having a power pose, whether it's this one, which is my favorite, because it's easy to do, it increases your endorphins and decreases your cortisol. And if you do that for two minutes, you change the way you're feeling because you're changing the biochemistry. It's effed up how simple it is for us <laughs> to control ourselves once you begin to understand this. But you're right. People don't know what they don't know. So if, if anybody watching has never seen Amy Cuddy, it's A-M-Y-C-U-D-D-Y, Amy Cuddy. And she did a TED Talk in 2012 in uh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh. And she also wrote... A freaking awesome book. Um, it's 23 minutes, uh, and it will serve you deeply to watch it and then forward it on to people you love. Definitely. 23 minutes well spent, let me tell you. Absolutely. Guys, Barry and I are going to throw the mic out to the floor. So people who have questions, feel free to put them in the comments. 
Although I must admit, on my screen, the comments don't look like they're coming through, so I'm going to have a look on the group. So you can also PM me as well, and Barry and I will 110% answer every single question that comes into my DM box or is on the post. In fact, we have one already, actually. Someone already messaged me. They were saying, Barry, can you tell us a little bit more about what the course you were talking about earlier does specifically, and also for anybody who's interested, how they might sign up? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, by the way, I've got a um, I've got a free gift for everybody. What I'll do is give you a QR code that you can post, and it's uh, it's a PDF uh, to help with communication, um, and it's stuff that we haven't covered tonight. So it'll be be really useful. It ha helps people to um, reframe situations. Uh, I, I love it. So um, I've done a freebie for you guys. It's just for your group. Um, so the course that we've been talking about is influencing smiles it is a uh, at its root and at its heart it's about communication it's helping people to understand how we communicate but then it puts it together on day two in taking a patient through a conversation that enables us to massively serve them and do more once-based dentistry so it's finding out how much information they like, what their motivational directions are. We talk about these things called meta programs, which are personality preferences. And we tap into that so that we're explaining things in the patient's model of the world, not our model of the world. Because if we don't know this, at best, we're talking really well to about 30% of the population when we just talk the way we do. When you understand how other people process information, then you can begin to step into their model of the world. It cuts down miscommunication. It increases the quality of the communication. And then we share these tips and tricks on language, how to, uh, how to influence people to make better choices. It's all based on evidence-based dentistry, but without a shadow of a doubt, it's what quadrupled my turnover. Uh, and it's what still enables me to grow significant amounts of money doing dentistry on people that I live and move around i live and work in the same town i've never been slapped or spat on <laughs> and I, oh by the way so i told you we took our practice from 250 to over a mil in three years me doing three and a half days a week that was no marketing whatsoever what i what i keyed up because um, i didn't know where we'd be in terms of time but what i had keyed up to share with you was this little puppy which i've written which is how to using the um using the principles of influence the psychological principles of influence which i've got from th three books mainly from a guy called robert cialdini is how to generate recommendations referrals and reviews without any marketing with a simple process that you do in-house and it's so easy that's what's given us 40 new patients a month for the last 15 years without any marketing um, so psychology, we talk about the psychology of it, but actually it's all about the implementation. It's about how do you take this information, in, input it at work easily, effortlessly. We give you a, a sheet to work from with your patient so that you can basically do more of the dentistry you want to do, which invariably is more of what the patients would like you to do and make more money. And that's it. And unanimously, the feedback is phenomenal. The biggest feedback we get, though, is that it's life changing in their personal lives more than it is in their business lives. 100%, I would agree with that. Thank you for that question from that anonymous po that poster who wished to remain anonymous. By the way, Barry, I hope you don't think I'm being rude. I'm just looking at the questions on my phone. I hope it's not. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, just in case you were wondering what I was doing. Okay, Cat. cool. So, uh, Cat, I don't know if anybody knows Amy Cuddy. 
Yeah, Amy Cuddy, is, that's an amazing video. 23 minutes well spent, just like what we were saying earlier. The comments haven't loaded up the side. I don't know why, so I'm just looking at the comments uh, on the Facebook post itself. There's a lot of love for you, Barry. We love you, Baza. From, from <laughs> <laughs> Big love to you, Matt. Big love to you, Matt. Thanks for that. Uh, and from Katarina, uh, amazing Barry as always. Some more love. Channeling love your way, Barry. Lots of these people are, which is brilliant to see. Davina says hello as well. Bilal says hello. Power posing. Everybody loves power posing. The power, the power of power posing. Okay. The, the power, power of power posing. posing. There we go. You can. That's you want to use actually. Yeah, that's fun. A little bit of a tongue twister. That's Peter Pepper. Peter Pepper. 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 Some, you know, something like that, isn't it? That tongue twister. I can't remember. <laughs> There's another question we've just got in from another anonymous poster. They have said, Barry, what is your one biggest selling and serving tactic? Out of all the things that you've mentioned, what is the best one? If you could only have one, you could only pick one that is the most important. Rapport. Um, so when you've got rapport, I, I learned this when I uh, did my hypnotherapy training. When you have rapport, I, I can hypnotize somebody with two words. Now, they're the same words repeated, but just two words. So the words become almost irrelevant. When you've got rapport, you have everything. When you don't have rapport, you have crap all. Without rapport, you've got nothing. So the one thing I want everybody to learn is the art and the simplicity of how to build rapport with somebody, because then anything is possible. Amazing. Thank you for that anonymous question once more. Um, we have another question that's just come in. Barry, where did you learn this stuff? And how can I how can I begin to read and learn more about what you've talked about today? Obviously, there's the program itself that you were talking about. But yeah. so <laughs> the quick answer is connect with me and come and spend some time with me. Uh, come on the course. There's the two courses, Influencing Smiles, two-day live. If you go to influencingsmiles.com, we've got five dates next year set up. Uh, I'm currently doing the practice plan tour. So we've got 15 dates for practice plan. So I'm off to Northern Ireland next week. I have the Dental Linchpin, which is a, an online 12-week drip-fed plus monthly coaching. Um, and then if you want some books, the first book I'd recommend is the User's Manual for the Brain, which is a, a good, it's a heavy read. Um, but your best bet is to come and spend time with me first. If you want to implement this into your daily life and into your business, even if that's not dentistry, because the beauty of this training course is it's white labeled into all sorts of things. You know, I, it, it doesn't, it's not dentistry, it's human nature. I just twist it at the end so that you can use it in dentistry. So come and join me or get the user's manual for the brain. I learned most of my stuff in the States. Well, well there you go, Barry, because... When I was on the program, I was struck by how many people there that weren't dentists. You know, there was people yeah. from all, 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 like all sorts of professions. Really, there was a real mixed bag. You know, because it's stuff that you can use in every profession. Yeah, hundred percent. People that had came back. There was one lady that was the third time she'd been there. How crazy is that? Fair play. Fair play. <laughs> I that. Yeah. You know, she, gave me, she gave me the most wonderful uh, kind of email testimonial saying. I'm blown away by how much more I learned the third time. And I know it's my third time, but it's really beginning to sink in. And she then said, thank you so much. We have had the best financial year ever, and it's been COVID. Now, I have to 
be honest, she is one of my coaching clients. So I speak to her every fortnight on the phone uh, and I help and I coach in the processes of, of what we use. Um, yeah. But her learning the NLP and her learning the communications has enabled us to smash her targets. She's absolutely killing it, which is wonderful. Do you know what? Back to what you were saying earlier as well. Just, I'm just going to chuck one more thing on top of that, okay? People, yeah. what, was it, what, was, what was the exact quote? It was at the very start. People don't remember what you did for them, but they remember how you made them feel. Uh -huh. Something like that, wasn't it? So yeah. I remember the food was so good. That was one of my... <laughs> That was one of our You're using the venue. <laughs> yeah. You are, no, I am for my program. Yeah, for my yeah. program for finance next year. I'm going to use the, the venue. I booked it. I booked it on Friday because the food was the food was amazing. And you know what? You know how I, going back to being insightful, zero carbs, no brown food, no beige food. On no beige food. Nobody who runs the course out there, no beige food is allowed because what happens after everybody has lunch? Everybody's eyes get a little bit tired when they come back. And you know what? I've been there. I've actually been on other courses before where I eat brown food and then I get tired. And I always, I always think to myself, if only there was a better way. But I keep doing it. I keep having those sandwiches anyway. But it was no, no carbs for you. That stayed with me, man. I thought that was really clever. That was really yeah. Smart. No, I, I need everybody's energy up and I need them to be engaged. And so, um, at that location, we provide the the best quality food we can with zero carbs. Um, I think that the only carb there was the quinoa salad. But yeah, yeah, and, and the um, the chocolate eclairs, they were carby. There was some carbs there. <laughs> I, I stayed away from those because I knew I knew what carbs do to me. I don't know if anybody else is like this, but they make me so tired, like yeah. like way more tired than I think is normal for most people. I just it's like lights out if I have carbs. That's me, man. That's me. Honestly, lights out. Yeah, awesome. Cool, 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 cool. Food coma. <laughs> Divinia says food coma. You're, you're absolutely right. I do yeah. like a food coma, you know, maybe on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I can't do carbs at lunchtime. Do you know why our brains do that? Because we were hunter-gatherers way back when, okay? Right. We, we are psychologically predispositioned to remember places where we had really good food because that correlates to the hunting grounds when we were hunter-gatherers because we remember where to go back and get the good food and it stays in our minds so well. So now, you know when you have a really nice meal in a restaurant and you literally, there's some meals that you've had and you never forget them for the rest of your life. You're yeah. hardwired to do that. It's an evolutionary thing. But now oh, that's like how that manifests is you think about that steak you had in, uh, in Corfu in 20, 2008. You know what I mean? It's stuff that stays with you for the rest of your life. How interesting is that, though? Back, we were talking about psychology a second ago. There's another one for you. <laughs> yeah, I just tried the food. That? Did you know that? No, I didn't realize that we were hardwired to remember that. Yeah, it's awesome. I just, I just thought that was me being a foodie. <laughs> yeah, every bloke thinks it's unique to them because that's what men do. Yeah, I always remember when we got that lovely steak. But it, no, it's 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 a common thing. We're conditioned as human beings to do that. We've actually <laughs> hardwired and we've evolved to do that. Okay, let's go back to the questions. There is lots of love pouring in. Uh, Katrina, good to see you, Katrina. Katrina says, thanks very much, Barry. Who else have we got here? We love you, Baza. Lots and lots of love. Awesome. Someone has just messaged me to say that they didn't know that about hunter-gatherers either. And uh, that's, made, that's made their day. Which is made my day. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. You know what, Barry? That is awesome tonight. There was so much gold dust in there. 
We've just come up to over an hour. I think now might be a good time to draw a line on the proceedings, to keep it tangible, to keep it interesting, to keep it accessible. Yeah, Barry, is there anything that you'd like to say to conclude? Oh, just thanks for having me uh, on your group. I'd love to come again. I've got so much to share, mate. And uh, I'm really touched and I'm grateful for you coming on the course. And um, the, uh, the other thing that we did do, and we'll sort this out, is um, a discount on any of my training courses for any of the Dentists Who Invest group members. Um, the more I can get on, the more I can share, the absolute better. Because uh, I, And my injection technique, mate. Um, if we can teach young dentists my injection technique, the CDIT, which is at dentalinjection.com, my patients have no idea they've had an injection. I use an element of, of hypnotherapy, of sleight of mouth. I use distraction, top-down modification. It's so friggin' easy, my six-year-old could do it, but, but it has been the biggest practice builder. Um, so, yeah, come and, come, and, come and get more. The more we can get this out into dentistry, the better. That actually, you know how we were talking earlier about the patient's list of priorities versus our list of priorities? Apparently, that's number one, pain-free. Pain-free. Okay. Between, that, between that and the report, Barry, all I can say is your patients must love you. That's all I can say. I, I really enjoy going to work, mate. I, I'm not going to lie. It's an absolute pleasure. And I treat them like family. Uh, and it's just great fun. And I, I, I like the dentistry I'm doing. And I enjoy, you know, all the cosmetic stuff that, that comes out of it. And it's... That injection technique has brought so much extra dentistry in. I had a guy who was 58, and he's not been for eight years, and he came, and he needed, like, an occlusal. I did the occlusal, and he went, I didn't – did you even give me an injection? I was like, yeah. And he went, oh, my God, is it really? Is it changed? And I went, well, not really. It's just the way you give it. And he said – he came back two weeks later and said, right, can I talk to you about my cosmetics? He signed up for 11 grand's worth of cosmetics purely because he knew that it would be comfortable. It's – mind-blowingly simple it's so easy i want it on the undergraduate course mate i'm i'm co-writing the new um anesthetics book for um uh, septodont for every undergraduate but it's it's not going to come out for a while but i want to teach everybody the technique it's so easy that's awesome that is really interesting and yeah i would love to genuinely would look well yeah i'd love to know how you do that because that's something that's quite unique remarkable interesting all right barry it is and I'll send you the QR code for everybody so they can get the free PDF. And we'll also send you the code for getting discount on the training courses. And I, I look forward to seeing many more of your, uh, your group members as possible. All right, bud. 110%. I'm going to pop that in the comments on the video. So for anyone yeah. who's interested, just feel free to jump on with the group. You'll see the video from the live event that we've presently taken part in. It'll be up there indefinitely. So you can go ahead and look in the comments. There'll be that link that we talked about. And then you can come along, join the journey with Barry for, so that you can learn all of this stuff, flesh it out and bulk it out in more detail and be able to implement it yourself. Awesome. Uh, thanks for the comments from people, right? Thank you, Critty, Matt, Kat, the Davidia. Appreciate everybody's involvement. Thanks for having me, right? Big love. Barry, so good to see you, my friend. Always nice to chat. Hope you have a tremendous evening and we shall speak very, very, very soon. See you later. Buddy, thanks. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated 
please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.